morning. I, I greet you in Christ's name this morning. Thank you for being here. It looks like the uh, front corners here are a bit, uh, I don't know, people didn't want to sit there. Um, this morning we're a smaller crowd. There's a number of people that are gone. Um, Lyle and Cami of the ministers, Lyle and Cami are in Belize with their family, and John's and Vanson's and their entire family are in Florida, I believe. And uh, Kendall this morning is not feeling well, so uh, we are a, a bit less. Plus, there are others that are missing this morning. So we're glad that you're here. And visitors, worship with us. <clears throat> this morning, I, my thoughts uh, this past week and this morning especially too were with the... Uh, the Roy and Elsie Beachy family, especially as they care for Elsie here in these final hours of her life as she anticipates meeting the Lord and uh, the valley that they're going through is a difficult one. And I just, my thoughts go out to them this morning um, that they would, the grace of the Lord would be with them and watch over them. The, um, the last song we just sang uh, the first phrase of the first stanza said, I have found his grace to be fully complete, I believe is what it said. I, found, I have found his grace to be wholly complete. Uh, something of that, of that nature. And that is the, my topic this morning is grace. Uh, what, what does grace mean? What is grace? So as we come to the Lord and ask him to join us and, and teach us this morning, I want you to be thinking about that. When you think of grace, how would you define grace? Maybe someone has a definition they'd like to give or a verse that comes to your mind when you think of the word grace. After the prayer, we'll, I'll ask for you to participate in that. So let's, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to join us this morning. Lord, we come before you this morning and we're grateful for your goodness. We're grateful, Lord, that you, your Holy Spirit is here and is willing and able to teach us. Help us, Lord, to be at a place where our hearts are open and our, our minds are clear of the clutter of the weak and the distresses of the weak. And the, and the songs that we sang this morning, life is difficult, and we need times of reprieve where we can hide in you and come to you and cry out to you and you hear us. And this morning, Lord, we ask that you would teach us from your word. Would you be amongst us, comfort us, we pray, and that your Holy Spirit would use the word to nurture in areas that we need to, to, uh, to grow in and to hear you. We give you all the glory. We ask that you be with those that are not with us, those that are on uh, vacations, those, are, those that are sick, Lord, we pray for them as well, um, especially the the Beachy family and uh, the, the Peachy family as well be with Marilyn and uh, Kendall as he recovers. Others, Lord, that have, have had health problems this past week, we ask that you'd watch over our, our people. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace. When you think of grace, what comes to your mind? What is there a verse or a, a definition that you think of when you think of grace? Any anyone? But whom also we have access by faith into his grace where we stand to his, to his 
We have access into his grace. Okay, thank you. Someone else? His grace is sufficient for me. That's one of them that I thought of right away when I started thinking on this topic. Yes, his grace is sufficient for me. That's actually the title of my message is Grace That Is Sufficient. Grace That Is Sufficient. Someone else? Undeserved kindness. Okay. As a definition, that is a definition, one of the definitions. Unconditional love. Okay. Amen. By grace are you saved through faith. That was also a verse that I thought of. Anyone else? I don't want to cut you off if you have something that's coming to your mind. Unmerited favor. That is, that is a definition that's used often. Um, there are other definitions, and probably the, the definition, I'll, we'll come to a definition here soon, that I think um, it is an unmerited favor. It is true. Um, it, the power to choose, that is the definition that I'm coming after. It is the divine enablement. But it is an unmerited favor that comes to us because... We don't deserve God's grace, but he, he gives us our grace. He gives us grace so that we can be saved. Amen. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. I, that, they're all, you're all right. It, and as we think about that, sometimes we, there, there's words that we use a lot that we don't think about what, what do the scriptures all say. And this morning, we'd like to just explore this a bit. And I don't feel at all like I'm hardly at all qualified to even speak on this topic, on this subject. Uh, but I was recently reading a book by uh, author, pastor Tom Harmon, and it, and it was titled, But, let me get the title, But He Giveth More Grace. And that's just a verse in the, I feel like I have a lot of feedback here. Am I? Um, he Giveth More Grace. It made me ask myself, what what do I believe or how, what do I think of when I think of grace? And a, a, a number of the verses were shared this morning. One of the first verses that came to my mind was in John 1, where, where it talks about the, the flesh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In verse 14 there, it says that it, he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was Jesus, the only begotten. It's referring to Jesus. He came fully man and yet without sin. He was full of grace and truth. Capable of making wrong choices. But rather he chose to follow after God and allow God the Father to lead him in the path that he would go. Full of grace and truth. Oh, that we might be full of grace and truth. And then... um, Paul was mentioned, Paul crying out to God for the thorn in his flesh, the whatever ailment that he might have had there, and, and God coming and saying, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness, in 2 Corinthians 12. Ephesians, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. It's not something that we do. It's grace. It's, it's that power to become 
the children of God, not because of merit of our own. And in James, the, uh, where the title of the book that I was reading came, comes from, but it's a complete sentence, and it's a familiar scripture. It's a familiar scripture that um, we could all probably quote. Uh, if, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna, let, let's try this. If I start it, let's see if you guys can finish it or someone can finish it. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the, the proud and gives grace to the humble, right? There's a, verse, there's a sentence just before in the same exact verse, and it seems like we've skipped over that. And there it says, but he giveth more grace. What does that mean? He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud. It's all in that same scripture. I have three points this morning that I'd like to share with you. The role of grace in salvation. We've been speaking about that a little bit. The role of grace in living. How do we live our lives and allow grace to affect that? And the abundance of grace. And before we begin, I'd like to go back to the, to the, to the, to the definition that we were talking about. It is, it is unmerited favor. But in the sense in the scriptures, often... Uh, it is a better uh, maybe definition for those times. Uh, in other words, if you, if you take the definition, let, let's just a little bit of a teaching lesson here. If you take the unmerited favor uh, definition and say, okay, Jesus came, the flesh became, the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace, unmerited favor. Was he full of unmerited favor? No, he merited favor. It wasn't unmerited for Jesus. So there's times when that definition doesn't fit in, in that. But the definition of divine influence or uh, divine enablement, uh, Strong says especially the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. It's God influencing us, divine influence, Divine, that's God. God is, is, is influencing on our heart by his spirit, by his people, by his word, by circumstances. He influences us by our conscience. He influences us to make decisions for him. More ways than we can imagine God influences the, and uses things to influence our heart. But note, it doesn't say divine control of our heart. It doesn't say control, it says influence. He influences us, but we are still the ones that need to make that choice. It's our choice. We hear the influence, we feel the influence. We feel, oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. That's the influence, but what am I going to do about it? Grace is the influence that comes and says, that's not right. I'll give you the strength to do the right thing. That's grace. That's God's grace. The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. That's the definition I'd like to leave with us this morning. The divine influence. Junior used to say uh, divine enablement. I remember as a youth hearing that. Grace is divine enablement. Divine God enabling us to live the way we should live. Of our own we can't, but with God we can. The role of grace and salvation Point number one, the role of grace in salvation. The first step, probably the, the very first step that we need to come to is to realize that we need salvation. 
the enemy. Our enemy is busy blinding the eyes of those that, that need salvation. They're, they're wandering lost, and he blinds their eyes. He fills them with excuses, and he fills them with, with reasonings, rationalizations, fear of man, all those things. He, he tries to keep us from realizing our need for salvation. He puts all those things before us, showing us what we might lose, but blinding us to the things that we would gain with salvation. That's what our, that's what our enemy did. And it started all the way back in creation. Adam made the choice to disobey. He made the choice to sin. And sin enters the picture of humanity with Adam. And it's been passed on from generation to generation Every succeeding generation has had a sin problem. And today we have the same sin problem, the role of grace in salvation. We need a Savior. Romans 3, verse 9. I have a number of scriptures this morning, and I'm going to look at some of them, and you're welcome to look with me. Uh, Romans 3, verse 9. I might move quickly, but... Here in Romans 3, just thinking about what is the role of grace and salvation? Do I realize my need for salvation? Romans 3, 9 says this. Paul saying, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. All are under sin, Jews or Gentiles. Chosen, not chosen. Jews and Gentiles, all are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. That should ever clue us in to the need of salvation. Let there be no confusion. We need a Savior. There is none righteous, that, none that understandeth, none that seek after God, none that doeth good, no, not one. And that's all of us before Christ comes into our hearts. We can convince ourselves, oh, I'm, I'm not really a bad person. No, that is not true. In God's economy, you are unprofitable and you need a Savior. And man has known this from the beginning of time. Man has sought the higher powers. They have sought to worship something. God presented himself to the children of Israel. and said, you will be my people and I'll be your God. And yet they went after another God, other gods. They worshipped all sorts of things made of stones and wood and sticks. Made by human hands, idols. They were wanting to worship. They knew that something needed to be worshipped in their hearts. They worshipped created things, the sun, the moon, the trees, the animals. Whatever, whatever their wicked mind would fixate on, they worshipped it. Romans 1, we're in Romans right now. Romans 1 speaks of this, this thing that, they, that people became. And people still are today. Romans 1.19, because that which, may, that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath shown it unto them. 
excuse me, I'm in the wrong verse, verse 21, because that when they knew God, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, thought themselves something when they really weren't. And their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God, the God, the true, the creator God, they changed his glory into an image made of, made like corruptible man to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And that's what they began to worship. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor themselves, to dishonor their bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. And God, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Man, in their need for a Savior, in their need to worship a God, sought so, all the other ways other than the true God so many times. And they still, even today, follow after other gods. There's a volcano in Nicaragua that we visited often when we had visitors, we would take them down there. Uh, the, the name of the, the mountain is uh, Messiah. Not Messiah like our Messiah, but it's spelled differently, means differently, but Messiah. And we would go there and it was, um, it's an amazing sight. You drive, they actually have a road that you drive up to the top of the mountain and you look you drive up in the parking lot and you walk up to the edge where there's a crater where the top of the mountain had blown out from the volcano. And you can look down into the center of that crater and way down in the center where it goes into the earth, you can see molten lava, a river of molten lava flowing. I might have told you this before. It's amazing to me as I think about it. You can see the river of lava splashing and Unbelievable. Molten rock, 2,000 degrees. And you walk up to the edge and you look in there. It's amazing how God created the earth. But the history of the Messiah Mountain volcano was, part of that history is that thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, the, the natives would, in their seeking of worshiping something, they would take sacrifices to this mountain and throw it down into that fiery pit. That was their way. I don't know what all they threw down there. Maybe even, the, there's a little museum there. They might have even sacrificed people, their enemies or whatever, into that fire. Always looking for, always seeking after God, some God. But the problem is when we get off track and find other things that are not God to worship, becomes the golden calves for us. And we know in this, even in this generation of people, there are things that people worship that should not be held up at all. If we look at the society around us, it's obvious that they've lost their way. Even the very basic things of morality, they, they no longer, they question. They no longer acknowledge that there might even be a God. They don't value life, young or old. And we ask the question, can it get worse? Could it, can it even get any worse? And I think it can. And I think it will. But we as the light, the bearers of light, 
Jesus is our light. He are the, well, he does say we are the light of the world. We become brighter and shine brighter as the world becomes darker. But I do believe it can get worse. In Genesis, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 6, it talks there, Noah. It says that Noah found grace in, in the eyes of the Lord. And that, that word grace is a little bit different than, than, than the divine enablement. That is the unmerited favor type of grace where he had favor with God. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 it says there, And God saw the wickedness of men was great on the earth. The question that we're thinking about now is what is grace's role? What is the role of grace in salvation? We're recognizing that man is wicked. We need a savior. We need salvation. God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 11, the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and beheld it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon and upon the earth. God was looking and it was awful. Even their imaginations were wicked. They couldn't even think a straight thought. And they were wicked and corrupt in every way. And it repented in verse Going back up to verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. He thought, what have I done? And it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man who I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air. For he repenteth me that I have made them. Then verse 8. But, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Noah knew God. He found grace with God. And we live in a similarly similarly wicked world. And we can find grace in the eyes of God as well. But we we need to come to him. Not because we're special but because God's grace provides a way. He has made a way. And that is the point. This true God, this creator God, not some figment of some, some idol of some sort who can do nothing for us. The true God has made a way that we can find him, worship him, and have salvation. Ephesians 2. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. He might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. And then is the verse that we know. For by grace are you saved. It's his, the kindness, the richness, exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. That he, have, he, he is enabling us to be saved. Though through, through faith, great, saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. He gives us this gift. I'm going to read in 2 Timothy. The gift of God. Salvation is a gift from God. Grace by faith. Timothy. Second Timothy 2 verse 11. says here that 
It is a faithful saying, for if we, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. And if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. We cannot deny him. He cannot deny himself. I am, um, sorry, I am in the wrong, this is a really good, this is a really good scripture, but I'm in the wrong one. I'm, I should be in Titus. Sorry. Titus 2. Titus 2. What is the, what is the role of grace in salvation? Titus 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. To all men. There's no exclusions. There's no exclusions. It's intended for all humanity. We are not bad enough that the grace of God cannot reach us and give us that opportunity. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously. That's what the grace is teaching us. And godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God bringeth salvation. In chapter 3, verse 7, it says that that being justified by his grace, not only does it save us, but it justifies us. Just as if I'd never sinned. I've heard that term used for justified. It clears the slate. When God sees us, we often at council meeting talk about, about examine yourselves. See that you're in the faith. See if there's anything that you need to, to make right. And what justified does is when God sees us, when he looked, he sees the covering of the blood and he doesn't see what we were because we're changed and, he, and it's covered. It's justified, just as if I'd never sinned before. Justified by grace. We should be, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified, saved and justified by grace. Grace, the divine effects on the heart, plays a vital role in bringing us to the place of seeing our need for a Savior. His influence coming to us and saying, you need a Savior. Romans 5, 2 says, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace when we believe. Wherein we, wherein we stand, we stand in that grace, firm. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And here again we, in Romans also it talks about being justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The vital role that grace, God's divine enabling power plays in our salvation. It's vital. His grace is important. But how does that affect then? What is the role of grace in my life? How does that affect how I live out? And we've already mentioned the verse where Paul, his thorn in the flesh, the, uh, the ailment that he had or whatever that may have been, 
he, he called out to God, take this from me. I, I want this. I, and he prayed and prayed. And, and God came back and said, my grace, my divine power enabling you is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly then, Paul says, therefore I, will, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of God of Christ may rest upon me. Despite the difficulties of life, this is the lesson that I get from this. Despite the difficulties of my life or the difficulties that you may be in, God's grace is sufficient to take us through those things. I will be with you even in all the, difficulty, all, all the difficult things. And my grace will sustain you. It will give you power to, to, to be sustained. It's a key the key of having availability of that grace is to be part of his family. To be, part of, to be part of God's family opens up that grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Did the rest of the people find grace in the eyes of the Lord? No, they did not. They did not. Because they had rejected God. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. How does grace affect the way I live? 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 6. But this I say... But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And, God, and because of that, if, if we give freely like God wants us to, then it says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always have all sufficiency in all things and may abound in every good work. When we live in the knowledge that God's grace is going to be, he's going to supply all my needs, and I live in that, and I give in that, we can, we can claim this promise, that God is able to make all grace abound toward me. It's like the hosts of heaven are waiting to pour out on our lives. To come to our aid. Divine influence. Divine enabling. Divine provision. That's the grace of God. Changing, our li changing the course of our lives. Changing the course of generations in our lives. Grace affects the way we live and how we give and, and how we react and how we talk. I found this interesting, something that I need to grow in I, as, I, as I was reading the scriptures here. Grace affects how we talk. Do you have the grace of God in your life? Is it strong in your life? If it is, it'll affect the, your speech. In Colossians, it says, let your, speech, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. 
Grace in our lives changes the way we talk. Peter calls us to grow in grace. We're not stagnant. It's this growing, the idea of growing, the possibility that we can grow. This isn't a one-time filling of you've got the grace now. It's a constant, it's a growing in the grace of God. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to him be the glory both now and evermore. Amen. Earlier in Peter is the verse that we're familiar with. Uh, we're also another place where it talks about God resisting the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. That's our lives are affected by grace. I'd like to read in Hebrews chapter 4. I love the message of this verse, Hebrews chapter 4. How does grace change the way I live? It says there in verse 14, talking about Jesus, the high, our high priest. I'm going to read 14, chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Seeing then that we, are, that we have a great high priest... Who is, who is Jesus. Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with our feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet without sin. That is our high priest. That is the Jesus where it says that he was full of grace and truth. Then in verse 16 it says, Let us come therefore, because we know this high priest, let us therefore come boldly into the throne room, unto the throne of grace. Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a powerful, powerful verse. The scripture. To come into the presence of God, to the, to the throne of grace, boldly, not belligerently, but boldly like a child coming to his father without fear of rejection. He will in no wise cast us out. We come boldly before him, and cry out for mercy. And it says, Become to his throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, have that mercy. And we find grace. There, not only do we find mercy, but we find grace. And what does that grace do? It says, To help in time of need. Do I have, do I have a need? Do I need help? Then we come to the grace, the, the, to the throne of grace and cry out to the Lord. It says that he will give us mercy and we can find grace to help in time of need. Grace does impact. It does play a role in how we live. The abundance of grace. Will God ever run out of grace? Ephesians calls it exceeding riches of his grace. 
There's richness of grace beyond our comprehension. Romans 5.17 says, if, if by one man's offense death reigned by one, that was Adam, death came by one, much more than, excuse me, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. There it calls it an abundance of grace. Second Corinthians calls it exceeding grace of God. Exceeding grace. I'd like to read our final scripture this morning um, from James chapter 4. And this is, this is uh, we've, we've mentioned this verse before. But if we just put our eyes on this verse here, uh, James chapter four, verse. I'm going to read. I'm actually going to read the first ten verses, but we're going to focus on verse six. The first ten verses of James chapter four. For whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that do war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war and ye. And yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. That's the selfishness and greed of humanity. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, and I believe this is referring to spiritual adultery. Instead of going after the true God, they went after other gods. Ye adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures saith in vain that the, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Friends, that is, that, that is why we need grace for salvation, point number one. The spirit that dwells within us, it just wants what it doesn't, isn't, isn't ours. It wants so many other things. That the spirit dwelleth in us the, the our spirit, not God's spirit, but our spirit, lusteth to envy. But he giveth more grace. But, as powerful as those things are, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, and he giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn. And weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Humble. Humility is, we haven't even talked much about humility this morning, but it is such a key to the grace of God. It unlocks the key. He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of God. But verse number six, he giveth, but he giveth more grace. I view it as a mag, as I was thinking about this. It's like we're, we're, in this, we're in this journey and there's a magnet. The world's magnet is over here and it's pulling us to, 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 towards that. But... He giveth more grace, and God's magnet is on the other side, and it's more powerful than the world's magnet. But it doesn't slap us over against. We have to make a choice. 
And we can, we can go towards God. His divine influence on us brings us to him. Or we can put our heads down and charge away from that and go towards the other side. But he giveth more grace. As bad as it is, he gives more grace, more divine enablement to live the way we ought to live. It was in the late 1700s, John Newton wrote the song that we sing often or at times, Amazing Grace. And this is just the, I'm going to read two stanzas of that and just think about what we've thought about this morning and, and talked about and read in the scriptures about grace. And this was John's testimony. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. And then he says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, to fear God. And then that grace my fears relieved. The very grace that taught him to fear now gave him peace. It, my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed." May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. Amen. Let's, let's stand for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We recognize from the scriptures, we recognize our need of you. We are all together of ourselves, unprofitable and even wicked. Lord, help us by your grace to find that salvation that, that brings us into your family. And then by your grace, would you get, enable us to live, humbly live before you. And when we're in times of need, help us to run to your throne of grace and to cry out, oh God, help us. And you show us mercy and you give us your grace to help us in time of need. Thank you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Beings that uh, the other